Denver Sports presents the Mile High Football Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey guys, welcome into the Mile High Football Podcast. I am Mark Schlereth and uh, I want to get started with the Broncos. A couple of newsworthy items uh, over the course of this week heading into the draft. The draft is next Thursday night. It's going to be awesome. Obviously, we don't have a first round pick because we gave them all to Seattle. So uh, we're going to play out of the first round or stay out of the first round, but we've got a couple of third round picks and there's still this ability to move up, to move down. But one of the criticisms of the Broncos since Sean Payton has taken over is there has been no access from Sean Payton, from the Denver Broncos, to the new players, to the free agents that are on the roster. There hasn't been any access. And Sean Payton addressed it yesterday by saying, hey, in this Phase 1 program, I understand you guys are upset. There is no access. As we get to Phase 2, there will be access. So just hold tight. Don't worry. You will be able to talk to players. You will be able to talk to people within the uh, within the franchise. Here's the deal about Phase 1, and this is something I completely agree with Sean Payton on. The phase one of the program, there's no football activities. This is about lifting. This is about running. This is about getting in shape. This is about getting back together as a football team and doing those football things that are necessary to prepare your players to get ready for the grind that is the season. And I love the fact that there's no real football activities going on because as a player, you want to go back to work. You want to get your lift in. You want to get your run in. You want to get together. You want to have that internal competition within your football team when it comes to the weight room stuff, to the lifting stuff, how hard you work, all those things. All those things are important for building camaraderie without wearing you out mentally as coaches are trying to grind on you about football stuff. The football stuff will come. You got plenty of time for that. But I kind of love the protocol or I love the program that Peyton has put together right now. You know, he talked about more anonymous donors, guys just coming in and doing their work. And I think you've seen that. And I think also the organization's approach is that way. Like, we're not going to be in front of the camera. We're not going to be talking to the media. We're not going to be talking to a lot of people. We're not going to be, you know, broadcasting how hard we're working. We're just going to go out there and do it, right? We're going to do it anonymously. And I love that aspect of the Broncos. Although for us in the radio business, um, it's kind of boring because you'd like to talk those storylines. But I understand the process. And as a former player, the former player in me loves it because I don't want to talk football. I don't want to go in classroom. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I just want to get myself prepared to do that stuff. And I think that's what's going on right now. All right. So the second thing I wanted to talk about was uh, I don't know what to call it, golf cart gate, I guess, uh, whatever the case may be. But Russell Wilson at Arrowhead Golf Court or Golf Course, excuse me. Um, and there was this story of uh, a, a golf cart with Russell Wilson in it um, being turned over or whatever in a sand trap. And at first, it was sketchy. The details were sketchy. Was Russell driving? Was he not driving? Who is he golfing with? What was going on? Why can't he win at Arrowhead? You know, the whole nine yards about Russell Wilson. Well, it turns out now as the story kind of gets clarified, he's out there with Justin Simmons, who was driving the cart, they were looking for Russell's ball. They backed up as they were looking for his ball. They hit past the barrier where it automatically shuts down the golf cart. So they had a backup as they were backing up, caught a wheel on the edge of the bunker and kind of slid off into the bunker. Okay, so 
a lot of people have said to me, well, this is really good news. He's out there with uh, Josie Jewell, Justin Simmons, and one identified Broncos player, or one unidentified, excuse me, Broncos player. And um, and so he's with his teammates, and that that's a good thing. And, and I think that is. I think it's a good thing to be with the guys, to go out and do some golfing, to go out and do some other things that aren't all, you know, publicity and charity work and all that kind of thing. Just to be with the guys, I think that's a great sign. But the one warning I would I would give Broncos country who looked at this as a great deal and maybe Russell's not awkward and maybe he's trying to connect and maybe he's gotten the message from Sean and maybe he is, you know, upset about the way he played last year and all those kind of things. And I think all those things are good and legitimate. The one thing that concerns me, and this is small, um, but it's real, I guess, is that the group you went out with were all defensive guys. And, you know, the thing that I always look back on, guys that have had locker room problems, usually you get the support of the locker room or the opposite side of the locker room from which you play, the opposite side of the ball from which you play. And, like, I I, I pointed this out to Mike Evans on the radio show because he was all excited about Russell being with his teammates and golfing, and maybe he's not awkward. Maybe he's working on those relationships. And, you know, all the things that get mentioned out there and get thrown out there as theories, and most of it's garbage, but, you know, I understand where there's smoke, there's a little bit of fire. Or where there's a little bit of smoke, maybe there's fire, however that saying goes. But my deal is I always go back to kind of um, things that trigger in my mind, like Terrell Owens was always a guy that had some issues within a locker room. And usually, if you go back through the history, the guys that supported Terrell were the guys on the defensive side of the ball, for the most part. not saying it's always that way, but those guys that don't have to live with him or don't have to be with him on a day-to-day basis. So I was telling this to Mike, and I was like, hey, listen, man, Take our two championship years. They're back-to-back championship years in 97 and 98. I go, find me the team photos, and there will be half a dozen guys on each team photo that I either can't name or have no recollection of. And so we did it as just kind of a just kind of a test, and I was right. There was five or six guys on each, maybe seven guys on each of those teams. I was like, I have no clue who that guy is. Or... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now that you mention his name, I remember I remember him, but I couldn't come up with the name of that particular player. And what you have to understand is NFL locker rooms are compartmentalized. So there's often times where you, you know, you may bump into a guy before a meeting or in between meetings or on your way out to the practice field, but you don't really develop relationships with that guy. And so... That's that's how it works with guys that are pariahs on one side of the ball. Oftentimes, all their friends are on the other side of the ball. And you go back through history, most of the guys who supported Terrell Owens and loved Terrell Owens, and, and this is a generalization, but it, I think it's mostly true, were on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of the offensive guys just were like, and they get to the point where they're like, what a pain in the ass this guy is, right? And don't have those relationships. So... I always kind of raise an eyebrow, and this doesn't mean anything because, like, you're just sitting here speculating, but I always kind of look at it and go, all right, well, yeah, he was out with the guys, but those guys seem to all be defensive players. Why were there no offensive players? 
Why were there no guys that he kind of hangs out with and he's in the meetings with and he and he spends the time with? Why were none of those guys at the golf course with him? And so um, as as good as it is and as a positive a sign as it is, is, hey, man, I'm trying to build and build relationships, repair relationships, whatever the case may be, especially with the defensive guys who really played their asses off last year to no avail because the offense was so piss poor. Um, but there is that aspect of me that makes me kind of go, hmm, why were there no offensive guys that he was playing golf with in this group? And again, maybe there were, and we just don't know about it, but just something to keep an eye on. Anyhow, for everybody involved in the uh, Mile High Football Podcast, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back with you next week.